Welcome you to the Heights Baptist Podcast. Our mission here at Heights is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. The purpose of our podcast uh, is to help you take your next step of faith. Whatever that may be, we want to come alongside of you, encourage you uh, to continue to follow Christ. So there are times on our podcast we talk about issues of theology, uh, things that are happening in our culture, and how that intersects in our day-to-day life. And so today, uh, join with my co-host, uh, Pastor Matt Hogan, our pastor of worship and media uh, here at Heights. And this episode, Matt, and next episode, we're, we're kind of going a little deeper into two what, what are called ordinances of our church. Uh, there's really two ordinances, commands of Jesus, of things churches are supposed to do, uh, baptize and take Lord's Supper. You know, now some people say they're the third and that's foot washing and we ain't going down that direction. That's no, <laughs> so no, gross. That's gross. And <laughs> Jesus said that's an example. So, all right. So we solved that one, <laughs> but we want to spend time today on um, baptism. And the next episode, we're going to do Lord's Supper. And, and why do we do what we do in baptism and Lord's Supper? Because those are two really foundational things we do. And we want to make sure people understand why we do this, but also to have conversations with people that may do it differently, right? You know, and so um, as we get started, you and I have some various backgrounds. We were not always Southern Baptists. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so walk me through your history, because you're you're a little more of a mutt than I am. But just walk me through where you've been. That's right. Well, um, usually what I tell people is that I grew up Baptist-ish. Okay. Um, I grew up in the Evangelical Free Denomination, mm-hmm. and actually, um, he's a He's a well-known speaker and author, uh, Pastor Charles Swindoll. Yep. Um, that was the church that my parents and, and I went to when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and But very Baptist in their theology and in their practice. In other words, they practiced believer's baptism. Um, they had congregational um, form of governance. Yeah. You know, they had, they had deacons. You know, so a lot of... One of the things that I say is I didn't know how Baptist I was until I came to a Baptist church. <laughs> right. and I was like, oh, this is Oh, Baptist. wait, we were already doing that. Yeah, well, this is all the things, all the same things I grew up with, yeah. even though it didn't have the word Baptist in the right. title. Um, when I was in college, um, I attended a Presbyterian church okay. and sang in the choir for a, one, of my, um, one of my music professors. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's actually, that's a church that practices uh, infant baptism. Mm-hmm. And then when my wife and I were first married, we were part of the Christian Reformed Church, mm. um, little church in Alameda, California. Um, and so that's another denomination uh, that did practice infant baptism. But one of the things that, that, that I talk about sometimes is that when you're in a, an older or a smaller congregation yeah. where there's not a lot of kids, the infant baptism thing doesn't necessarily come up. Right. You know, and so you actually ended up what I remember about those years was actually witnessing a lot of believers baptisms because people were coming into the church and getting saved. Yeah. There weren't necessarily a whole lot of people having little little young kids. Gotcha. So it was, you know, and it was all all of those churches were wonderful churches, but they did have um, different perspectives on 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 baptism. Right. And then when I when I moved to Texas, I actually served on the staff. at a Methodist church for, mm-hmm. for a length of time, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's another church that practiced uh, infant baptism, right? you know? And so from time to time, you would have, you know, uh, little ones get baptized. Yeah, and then now, of course, Southern Baptist. I've come home, I've come <laughs> full circle, yeah. But what is that, four different groups? Four different groups. Four different groups, okay, yeah. So there, there's some different perspectives. And, and why we're going over this is because when we talk about this, we, we want our audience to know we've been kind of on 
I don't want to say both sides of the aisle, but we've been on both sides of the discussion. Yeah. Biblically, you know, so uh, raised in a United Methodist church and early 20s is when I, I broke from the Methodist church. Uh, my parents are still, you know, United Methodist. My in-laws uh, go to a, a Methodist church as well. Uh, that Sandra has actually grew, grew up in First Baptist Church, Duncan, Oklahoma, and that's where her parents, you know, obviously went. But then when they moved to Pearland, uh, found a home in the Methodist church. And so one of the, there, there are two really big issues for me uh, that I, I decided to leave the Methodist denomination. Uh, one was a really clear stance of the authority of God's word as being inerrant and, and totally true. Uh, and then two, baptism. Yeah. <laughs> it really was. It was baptism. And so for me, I, I began reading the Bible more in my early 20s and started seeing people get saved and baptized. And you know me, I'm a pretty analytical guy. So then I just started reading a bunch about baptism because, and I think this is why it's important to have these conversations. I grew up in a denomination that never really explained to me why they baptized babies. Right. I mean, and I'm not dogging that. I'm not taking a shot at that, but that's why we want to do what we're doing. Right. Because we want people to understand why we do what we do. You why know? do we believe what, what we, believe. we believe? You know, and so for me, I was like, wait a minute, this, huh? <laughs> so, I mean, just kind of reading through that. And then, like you said, there's, there's different groups that do different ways. It's like, oh, man, I need to get baptized as a believer now and as an adult as a believer. So, pfft. A Baptist. <laughs> like, there you go. I mean, uh, and then of course fell into Southern Baptist based on belief of Bible and missions, uh, the heartbeat of missions, Southern Baptist. I was like, you know, hey, I can, I can play with you guys and, and run with y'all. Uh, and so that's how I became Southern Baptist. So when we talk about baptism, because like you said, we, we've got all kinds of different groups. Um, you have a kind of a Catholic perspective. Then you have the Protestants who don't all agree on different ways. And, you know, so of course, as the, as the, the tree has split over the years, you know, you've got the Catholic side of baptism and then you've got the Methodist and Episcopal and Baptist. And so let's talk about meaning. Cause mm -hmm. I think when you talk about baptism, you talk about meaning and mode, what's the proper meaning, what's the proper mode to be baptized and then who can be baptized. So let's, let's just dive into meaning and let, let's just kind of take a quick hit over some different groups of why they baptize the way they do. So uh, there's, a, there's a fundamental divide between um, the Catholic understanding of baptism and the Protestant understanding of right. baptism. And that is that the, the Catholic understanding of baptism is the baptism is a part of your salvation. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times it's sort of like, and I, I'm not going to, I can't speak really authoritatively on the Catholic position, so I'm going to kind of over, oversimplify it yes. a little bit. Yeah, well. But basically, you know, salvation is a process. Right. Okay. It's, it's still possible by what Jesus did on the cross, but there's certain things that you are required to do in order to work that salvation out in your right, life. And right. so your, your, your baptism is kind of the beginning of that process. Yeah. Um, Protestants, whether they practice infant baptism or believer's baptism, basically reject that whole idea and say, no, 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 your baptism does not save you. Not at all. Right. Um, and so, and so there's, there's one of the big differences between the Catholic understanding, which is that baptism is a part of your salvation versus the Protestant understanding, which is no, no, no. Baptism is something that you do either to demonstrate your faith in Christ. That's yeah. what we as Baptists believe. Right. Or um, if you're, if you're like a mainline Protestant, like a Presbyterian or a Methodist, you're identifying with the community of faith. Yeah. And so one of the things that you'll see in the, in the Methodist and the Presbyterian kind of view of 
where, where they baptize, where they baptize babies. They, they've always made, and all the, you know, like I said, I was a part of three different denominations um, that, that practiced infant baptism. Yeah. All of them were always very clear that baptism doesn't save you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's what sets them apart from the Catholic understanding. Right. But, but especially like the Presbyterians, they would say for us, baptism is a little bit like what circumcision was mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. You are identifying your children with the covenant community right. and trusting in faith that someday, you know, they're going to make a profession of faith. Yeah. Methodists would do the same thing. They would baptize the babies. In fact, I always thought it was funny because, you know, growing up Baptist-ish, we would do uh, baby dedications yep. or parent-child dedications. Right. And the first time I was at the Methodist church and they did an infant baptism and, and I was like, oh, wow, this is a baby dedication where the kid gets wet. You know? Actually, what, it's actually the other way around. What right. actually happened was when in Baptist churches, instead of doing infant baptism, you do a parent dedication, but they say a lot of the same stuff. In right. other words, they say, we as parents are saying, and we as a church are saying that this child belongs to the Lord. Yeah. And we're trusting in faith that we're going to be faithful to raise this child up in the community. Yeah. Now, so, so for like your Presbyterians, they're saying, we're baptizing the child, believing that one day they're going to follow Christ. Yeah. Methodists will say the same thing. We're not, we don't believe that this child is a Christian. Right. We're trusting that one day this child is going to be a Christian, but we're identifying them with the faith community. Yeah. So then from the Baptist perspective, we say, no, no, no. Baptism is something for believers. Right. We look at the pattern of what we see in the New Testament, which is that, is that the, the way that we see um, baptism discussed in the New Testament is people come to faith in Christ and then they're baptized. Yeah. So that's sort of the distinction right. between, you know, your Catholic understanding, your Protestant mainline understanding, and then your, your Baptist understanding. Yeah. yeah. And so going back to the Catholic side, it, it also is I'm baptizing my baby to keep them out of hell. You know, so if that infant dies, then at least they've been baptized you know, and, and they can go to heaven as an infant. And they've and, started and that they've process started of that salvation. Process, you know, there is a really great illustration of that in the show Lost. I don't know if you remember Lost, you know, some years back, but you had Echo, who was a, a Catholic priest, and you had Claire, who Claire gave birth to a baby there on the island. Um, you know, sorry for our listeners that don't remember Lost, you know, plane, cra- plane disappears midair, crashes on the island, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but she comes to him. And he's talking to her about salvation. And she says, well, how can I be saved? And he says, well, you need to get baptized. And she said, well, how can my baby be saved? He needs to get baptized. So he baptized them in the ocean. And I was sitting there watching that. And this is on ABC. I'm like, no. I mean, I'm like, whoa. I mean, they, they clearly just went the Catholic doctrine route because right. that was his character and all that. Yeah. And I just thought, whoa, there is the illustration that you had just said. And, and, you know, and then, but then going to the Protestant side, Methodist, Episcopals, you know, Lutherans in that sense, baby baptism, like you said, it's that Old Testament circumcision extension, because the argument that will be made is you don't see circumcision in the New Testament. So baptism has replaced circumcision in the new Testament under the new covenant type thing, you know? And so you kind of, you get that side of the argument where they're like, well, Hey, 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 you know, like baptism appears, circumcision drops in the new. Um, and so that replaced it. And so, yes, that's how they believe. All right. They're bringing it into the covenant. And so it's funny that you said that with the, the parent child baby dedication, whatever you call it. Um, 
when I first saw it as a Baptist, I was like, oh, this is the, this is the baby baptism without the water. That's exactly, <laughs> I was yeah. like, whoa. Yep, yep. I was like, hey, guys, don't you know we, we, like, we do this, but we sprinkle at the end. <laughs> you know, like, right, yeah. But you say so, the same stuff. But we yeah. say about the same stuff. It was just funny to me all those years of being a Methodist, seeing all the baby baptisms here and that. And then the first time I was in a Baptist church and they did that, I was like, oh, <laughs> just, you're just not sprinkling the kid at the end. <laughs> so it's just funny you have the different perspective on that. So, but scripturally, where do we go on, on meaning of baptism? You know, where as we're helping people understand this um, before we get into mode, you know, where where are we going into scripture to to kind of help people understand the meaning of baptism? Well, you know, I th- I think it's it's really important to to kind of lay out that. Um, there's, there's no verse in the Bible that says thou shalt not baptize babies. Right. You know what I mean? So when we're going to the scripture and we're looking at, um, what the Bible has to say about baptism, yeah. primarily we're looking at, um, examples of people that got baptized in the book of Acts. Yeah. And then some of what, um, what Paul will say about baptism in, in the epistles of Paul, right. Peter, uh, we'll, we'll discuss with it. You know, I, I think it's very interesting, um, because uh, again, you know, we've been in, we've both been in churches that have, that have been on both sides of kind of the question of, of infant baptism. Right. Um, both sides of the infant baptism question will cite the same example, yep. which is the Philippian jailer. Right. Because the Philippian jailer comes to faith in Christ mm-hmm. and, and, and the, and the scripture tells us that he was baptized in all of his household. Right. And I, I actually really love this because it's, I think a, a really good example of how sometimes we bring presuppositions to the text. Yep. Because um, because in, in someone who believes in infant baptism will say um, the text says that the Philippian jailer was was baptized and all of his household. And what they will say is obviously that means the babies too. Right. Yeah. You know. And yeah. They'll use language like that. Yeah. And so your your verse where you're at is um, Acts 16 verse 30. So Paul and Silas are in prison, they're singing, you know, there's an earthquake, God uh, opens up the gates, the jailer walks in, and he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And verse 31, Acts 16, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and all who were in his house, verse 33, and Paul took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, or excuse me, the jailer washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. So yeah. that, that's kind of where you're at, yeah. you know? And so, yes, there are some groups who go, babies were in the house. Yeah, so they were probably baptized they too. They were probably baptized too. Yeah. And then as somebody who, 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 is, who is a credo Baptist, somebody who has the Baptist understanding of baptism, what they'll, they'll come to that same text and they'll say, well, his family was, was baptized, but that's because they all believed. Right. And obviously, and I'm kind of using that, that word obviously to sort of, yeah. just to kind of illustrate a point, but obviously not the ones who didn't believe. Right, right. You know, so so, so <laughs> both, both sides, you look at the same verse of scripture, yeah. but we have, we, we're kind of bringing to the table some different kind of presuppositions. Yeah, we're reading some things in the text because yeah. I had a discussion on Facebook with somebody recently about baptism. I put a joke up there about, infant baptism. And one of my friends who practices infant baptism in the church he leads quoted that verse. And I quoted back and I, and, you know, I commented back and said, Hey, in my household, I don't have any babies. Right. You know, I have two teenagers, me and my wife, you know, your household, you don't have any babies. So how do you know they had babies in the house? Like you are reading things into that, right. you know, but 
I think the pattern there though is that where Paul says believe and be baptized. Yeah, that's you the know? pattern we see. Believe, believe and baptize. Then baptize. You know, so Acts two. Uh, in the middle of Peter's sermon, hey, what do we need to do to be saved? Repent, believe, be baptized. You right. know, so in that Philippian uh, or the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts eight, you know, I, I believed. Here's water. What must I? You know, why can I? Let's let's get baptized. You know, so that pattern kind of exists. Um, where else though are we commanded to baptize? Like that, that's a key thing. I think we need to understand as a, as a church We're we're told to do this. That's great commission. Yeah. That's Matthew 28. You right. Know, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Yeah. 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 So good. So nowhere are we connecting baptism to salvation. Right. You know, as far as this is what saves you, you know, so that is a hard line break with the Catholic side. Right. You know, and, and, and so in the meaning of that, um, where else, where else are we breaking? I think if, if I could use the word break, I don't, I don't mean that mean, you know, but right. where are we going to have some friendly disagreements maybe with our, our Methodist brothers and sisters or our, you know, Presbyterians, our Episcopals on the meaning of baptism? Because like we said, a lot of that believes it's an extension of the of the circumcision of the covenant, right. right? So, so where else would you might go uh, to show, hey, that that that's not there, as far as as the extension of the covenant? So, right. Well, the the picture mm. that we embrace as as Baptists, yeah. Usually, we go to Romans six, right? You know, in other words, one of the reasons, and this is going to, I think, kind of transition us more into mode yep. of baptism. Yep, we're about to get to mode, um, yeah, but. But the picture that we have, and, and there's, there's two pictures of baptism that, that's used in the Bible. Right. And one is water cleansing, yep. you know, and us being washed clean. But the other is us dying mm-hmm. and being resurrected with Christ. Right. Okay. And, and so, so usually in your, um, in your uh, kind of your mainline Protestant denominations, uh, they often don't necessarily practice by immersion. They'll mm-hmm. do like, like a, a sprinkling or a yep. pouring. Yep. They're picking up more on that biblical image of you being cleansed by the water. Mm-hmm. Whereas we as Baptists, we really tend to emphasize us dying to sin, dying to the old self and being resurrected with Christ. Right. And that's why that picture of immersion is very important to us yeah. because we're identifying not just that we've been washed clean, but that the old, the old uh, person is gone and dead. Yeah. Yeah. And that we have been raised to life with Christ. Right. Yeah, that's good. Romans six four is is where you're at. It says we were buried therefore with Christ by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might too walk in the newness of life. And that's you know? usually where we get the the thing that we normally say when we baptize here at Heights. We usually say, you know, you've been buried in the waters of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Right. That's usually kind of what, or some form of that is yeah. what we say. Yeah, that's the verbiage I, I usually use um, when we when we baptize, because you are you're given that picture of you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and so in your life, the old you has died. I always explain it this way: Can you live? Can you live underwater? You know, and the kids are like. You know, if we baptize kids or do you know, no, I was like, yeah, cause you don't have gills, you know, you know, and, uh, but it, so that's kind of like a watery tomb, you know, it's, it's a watery tomb when we put someone under or signifying they, they can't live here, 
they need to be raised with Christ. And when they come up, that's showing that resurrection picture. So why you touched on this. So we got, we got proper meaning down, right? Let's talk about mode. Why don't we pour? Why don't we sprinkle? I mean, it's a lot of water to, to fill up the tub. <laughs> so why, why do we dunk and some sprinkle and pour? And you touched on that, but let's, let's go a little deeper on that. You know, I think it's, that's an interesting thing. You know, the word baptize mm-hmm. um, is a transliteration from the Greek, that means that we took the word in the Greek, which is like baptizo, yeah. and we left it alone rather than than translated it right. when they when they did the translation into English. What that that actually means to dip or to dunk. Yeah. Um, and the reason why they left it alone when they translated it back in um, back in the 1600s and the 1500s is because there was this question about how much water is appropriate. Right. And there were you know there were more Baptist leaning. Yeah. Um, you know, groups in the church. And then there were more kind of sprinkle poor. And so they, what they did, they made the kind of diplomatic decision to leave it rather than, than translate it dunk or pour or dip. They, they, they left, they, they, they left it as baptized, Mm. you know, um, very, very old English translations of the Bible called him John the dipper, (laughs) you know, because that's what the word actually means in in the Greek is the idea is that you're going to submerge something, you know? And so the very meaning of the word baptism would support, you know, an understanding that you, that you, that you immerse. Right. That's one of the reasons why I think, um, immersion is important to Baptists, but really primarily the reasons why Baptists practice immersion rather than sprinkling or pouring yeah. is because we're picking up on that, that image from Romans six, right. which is, this is the old person is dead. We've yeah. been raised to walk and follow with new life in Christ. Yeah. That's yeah. really where where I think that comes from. Right. And I think there's there's parts in the text and this is where probably somebody from another side is going to say, Lee, you're reading too much into it. But, you know, there's the part John the Baptist is baptizing in the Jordan River. You know, they went in the water and came out of the water. You know, I mean, that that doesn't signify pouring to me. You know, like, I'm going to stay in the river and you're just pouring water over me. I mean, you know, it's, so it's kind of that in out action. You got the eunuch. Hey, there's water over there. Why do I, you know, let's, they went into the water. They came out of the water. And so I know that's where somebody, oh, you're, you're reading too much in, but I'm like, hey, I mean, come on, like from a practical standpoint, yeah. I, I, I look at it that way. Yeah. Well, and then there's another picture, I think, where baptism is operating in the text, which is the reason that one of the reasons that, that John was, was baptizing in the Jordan River yeah. was it was a picture of what the children of Israel had done when they came out of slavery, right. out of bondage, down through the water yeah. and up into the promised land. Yeah. And yeah. so there's, an, I think, another way in which that, that metaphor is really significant yeah. where we're not just going to get wet. Yeah. But no, there's this understanding that you have to walk through, through. this body of yeah. water. Um, so, you know, if you think about the parting of the Red Sea mm-hmm. and then later the parting of the Jordan River, you know, and I think that's a piece of what of what John was doing in that yeah. those early uh, chapters of the gospel yeah. is he's saying, you know, you need to leave the sin and the bondage and the slavery behind and you need to go through, through the this. water yeah. and find new life on the other side. Yeah. And I think we Baptists have kind of picked up on that. Right. No, that's And good. I think that's part of what uh, Paul is talking about when he's, when he's in Romans six, when yeah. he says, you know, we've been buried in baptism and raised, raised to again. Of life. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think to answer your question and questions I get sometimes is like, well, how much water do I need to get baptized? And my joke is, as long as I get you under and bring you back up, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> if I can dunk you and you're under, and then I can bring you back up, we got enough water. You know, and so rivers, lakes, swimming pools, 
baptistries in your church. Like, I mean, there, wherever there's water enough to dip you down and bring you back up, there you go, you know, and some lean people back, some lean people forward, some, you know, you go straight down, straight back up. You have know. them hold their nose. Have them hold their nose. Yeah, I always ask, do you hold your <laughs> nose before you go under? <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, okay, this is when you're going to want to hold your nose, you know. <laughs> so I always try to, but I like to take people down, you know, back, because I think that signifies kind of going into the grave, coming back up. But there again, some even by immersion don't all practice the same way, you, you know, push you down or go forward back, you know, uh, we, we do back here. Um, let, let's kind of end on this. Cause I know we, we talked about kids in baptism. What age? Oh. <laughs> we did prep this part of the podcast before. What age should we baptize and should we not? And there again, everybody's going to be all over the place on this. And, and I'm coming up with this question off the top of my head. So you and I have not really talked through this. So this will be a fun exercise. But what age? What age should we not? What age should we sh- you know, do? Because so, some say not until you're 12 or 10 or 8. I mean, so what, what do you kind of, how do you process that question? Yeah, that's, that's really interesting because when I was part of the Reformed Church, when I was first married, um, they... Um, they would have times where, where they would have their kids. Remember that they're practicing infant baptism. Yeah. But there's a time where the kids make a profession of faith right. and then join, become members of the church. Yeah. And, and there, was, there was some question in that church while I was there about how old was appropriate. And mm-hmm. usually they wanted their kids to wait until they were teenagers before they made that profession of faith. That profession of faith was wow. really a much bigger deal in that church yeah. than maybe the baptism was. Okay. But um, yeah, mm. so this is a question that we've wrestled with. Now. I've got four kids. Yep. Three of them have been baptiz- right. baptized. One of them is starting to ask about it. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, um, the age that I think is appropriate for baptism is for them to be able to articulate the gospel, mm-hmm. articulate to me um, that they've been saved, that they're followers of Jesus and articulate um, that they understand what baptism means. Yeah. Those are the, th- those are the three things I'm looking for. Um, a rule of thumb that I have used as a parent um, has been the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Right. When my kids come to me and say, I want to get baptized, yeah. that's when I know it's time to start talking about yep. it. Yep. When it's their idea and yeah. not mine. Yeah. You know, and so, so all three of my, my, um, my first three kids, they all got to a place where they were kind of pestering me about yeah. baptism yeah. and that's how I knew that they were ready. Right. Daddy, when can I get baptized? Yeah. When can I, and you know, then, then you start those conversations. What does baptism mean? Yep. What do you know about self? You know, who right. is Jesus? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? You know, yeah. make you start to have those conversations. So I'm in the middle of having those conversations um, with my youngest now, mm-hmm. she's seven. Okay. Um, and so I think she's going to be ready soon. Yeah. That's going to be something that we're going to be, is going to be happening sooner rather than later in the Hogan house. Yeah. And cause as a, as a church, we don't have a hard fast rule like, okay, not till 12 or 10 or 11. And so same thing, uh, David, I think was six when he got baptized. Uh, Sandra was saved, baptized early age too. I think she was six, seven, if I remember right. You know, me not till early twenties. You know, so I, I for me though, it's it's when I talk with families, whose idea is it? You know, is it mom and dad kind of like you got to do this, or is it the kids? That's important to me, because then you see the Holy Spirit working. Uh, if it's the kids, like hey, yeah, I want to do this. Um, 
I want to make sure they understand baptism doesn't save you. Right. So I want to hear the gospel being articulated as well as they can at the level they're at. At the age they're at. At the age they're at. You know, and so usually when I'm sitting down with a kid and I talk with them, I'm like, hey, talk to me like I'm one of your friends. Don't don't feel like you got to use fancy words or any of that. And, and I want to hear personalization, you know, because I think a lot of times kids that grow up in church, oh, yes, Jesus died for our sins. But I, I want to hear them kind of be able to articulate, no, Jesus died for my sin, you know, and so try to help them understand that. But here's where I think we we also miss in the conversation, because I talk to moms and dads about this, is that baptism is not the end goal. Right. It's the starting line, you know, because like we said, it's that public declaration, I'm now a believer, whereas I think sometimes we treat it as the end goal. You know, so I'm not looking for perfect theology before I baptize the person. You know, I'm looking for childlike faith that they can a basic level express the gospel, what baptism is, and they know it doesn't save them. You got those three things, boy, I'm going to baptize you. Because to me, that man, that's you saying, boy, I'm starting this relationship with Jesus. Because then discipleship is building that faith over time as a parent with the child, you know, and, and so I. I know there's those discussions. Is it this age, that age? I mean, I, I'm okay with the six, the seven-year-old. You know, five-year-old, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Let's give it some time. But, uh, and I know there's just people all over the map on that. We, we talked about off-camera early church because of other social issues and cultural issues. You had to almost wait a year even as an adult, because they wanted to check you out and make sure you weren't like an imposter telling on the government, you know, like, I mean, so there's some culture, but I mean, you know, there's sometimes steps, sometimes people yeah. make in other cultures because other cultures, baptism can cost you your life. That's right. You know, it's not a party in some parts of our world today. You, you get baptized as a, as a believer and you may get kicked out of your family. You may right. get killed for that, you know? And so, so there, there's different ways of, of coming at it, but I think the meaning is very important, and the mode is important to me on that. So, yeah, good. Any other concluding thoughts on baptism? Well, kind of just one more question I'd love to explore, which is that um, what are your thoughts on getting re-baptized? I mean, now, obviously, if you, if yeah. you got baptized as a kid right. or you got baptized, you know, earlier in your life, yeah. you come to a place in your life where you realize, like, I wasn't a Christian when I yeah. got baptized. Yeah. Obviously, as Baptists, we would encourage you to get baptized as a believer. Right. But then there's sort of another thing where, you know, maybe you have like a rededication yeah. or you're coming back to church after yeah. a long time, or maybe you went on a, you went on a trip to Israel and you were <laughs> being a tourist yeah. at the Jordan right, River. Right, right. And like, that would be really cool. <laughs> what are your thoughts on, so obviously, I mean, as Baptists, we're going to encourage you to get baptized as a believer. Right. If you realize this is when you first come to faith in Christ. But what about those sort of other kind of spiritual experiences that you might have times when you rededicate or you get on fire for the Lord again? Sure. Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, on that? no, you threw in a lot of good questions there. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to hit them somewhat rapid fire. Um, Jordan river Israel trip is weird to me. I don't, I, I'm just sorry. I'm no offense to anyone who has done it. I do not mean that offensively. That's just weird to me. It is. You're on a tourist trip. I mean, I know it's cool to get baptized in Jordan river. It's where John was. Jesus. Well, I, yeah, I, I get that nuance of it, but like to me, baptism is a local church ordinance. Right. So I, I, I'm not comfortable with the youth group off at the beach trip 
and baptizing in the ocean. Because to me, that's a body of Christ right. celebration that you're celebrating with your local church. Right. Not you unless know? you invite the whole church right. to go with you. Yeah, yeah. if your old church, you know, if you've invited the whole church on the Israel trip, I mean, you know, right. like so. To me, I don't, I don't like private baptisms. I don't do private baptisms. I don't like the beach baptism off on the youth group because to me, it's a local church celebration. That's just kind of where I fall. Mm-hmm. If you've done it, I, I'm not slamming that at all. I mean, hear my heart, hear my grace on that. But I, I just, I don't get it, you know. Um, with the rededication, again, that that's part of me. I don't want to say it's weird to me. I never heard the term rededicate until I became a Baptist. And I remember the first time I was pastoring up in Pennsylvania, a guy came up to me. He's like, I want to rededicate my life to Christ this morning. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, what is that? Like, I don't, that's a term we've, uh, cool. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how to treat that. Right. Cause I don't see that biblically, uh-huh. you know? And, and like, that's a whole thing. I think Baptist language we've done. I'm like, okay, so you mean like you're going to get serious about following Jesus? Pat on the back, way to go. Let me uh, help you here. I don't, so I, that part I've never been comfortable with in baptism of like, I'm rededicating my life. Great. Like, go be a witness for Jesus. You, you've done it, you know? Right. I have done baptisms, a rebaptism of people who, and we did one recently uh, where it was an adult who said, you know, I, I got baptized as a kid with my family. You know, like I was seven or six, I think she was. And, and my whole family got baptized that day. And I realized now as an adult, that really wasn't my decision. And I'm ready now to get baptized as my decision. Gotcha. You know? And I, I talked with her and her family came and I said, no, can I tell that story that way? Because I don't want to offend your parents. Right. And she's like, no, we've talked as a family. We've talked about this. And my parents kind of said, yeah, we, we kind of nudged you guys. You know, so I had no problem with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have no problem with adults who go, you know, I was baptized as seven or six. And I, I do believe I was saved, but it has more meaning to me now than it did as a six-year-old. I'm okay with doing that baptism. But what I tell them is don't come back to me in a month and say, I really mean it this time too. Like right. I, this is kind of like a one time I'm going to do this, but don't, don't, don't circle back around and expect it again. You right. know, type things that, that help in that way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> good trip. Good question on the Israel trips. <laughs> Email complaints to HBC at heightschurch.org. <laughs> so, but I, I think those are important conversations to have, you know, because yeah. we, we, we do want to, I, I don't want people in our church just to say, you know, man, I always grew up at Heights and I didn't know why we did what we did. Like, I, I just, I don't want that. So I, I think this was, this was good. Hopefully that helped you where you are. We would love to hear from you. Uh, you can drop a comment here on our post or, or shoot us a message uh, on our Facebook page. Let us know if you have any questions that we can follow up with you about. We'd also love to see you in person. If you're in our area, our worship services are at 1030 on Sunday morning. We have life groups for all ages at 9 o'clock, then our worship service at 1030, in person and online at our Heights Facebook page and our Heights YouTube page. We'd love to be able to connect with you no matter where you are. And so until we see each other again, I hope you have a great week and God bless.